welcome to All Things Eerie, where we will be go into in depth about murder mystery and the most obscure local wars. Today's subject is going to be the Salem witch trials. Um, that's what we're going to get our feet wet by talking about and who started it, why, who's affected, and why they chose those victims. There's a lot to cover, um, so let's get started on that. But before we do, let me start off by talking a little bit about myself. I'm not going to talk a lot about it, but um, I'm going to talk about why I started this podcast. Uh, uh, it was something that I thought, hey, this would be a great idea. I love murder mystery. I love the fact of trying to figure out who done it, um, especially the um, like Law and Order. Um, I was there when first Law and Order started. Uh, Law, Law and Order SVU. I don't watch it now for uh, personal reasons. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit later why. Um, but. Um, but my name's Kathy, and um, I live in Erie, PA. Not a native of Erie, um, but uh, moved around a lot. I'm divorced, so. Um, but I decided to come to Erie after I separated from my husband, and um, I uh, I've been here for nine years. It'll be nine years this November, but um, I figured. Why not start start a podcast about murder mystery in October? What a what a great way to start that! And why not the Salem witch trials? Um, what a spooky way to start it! Um, there's a lot to go over, um, but I'm going to start off by reading the victims who died, who the that were um, who. They refused to plead guilty. Bridget Bishop, age 50. Sarah Good, 39. Elizabeth Howe, 57. Savannah Martin, 71. Rebecca Nurse, 71. Sarah Wiles, 65. Reverend George Burroughs, he was in his 40s. Martha Carrier, there was no age for her. Um, John Willard, uh, he was about 30. Um, I'll go into him a little bit later, but he was, he was a deputy constable. Um, George Jacobs, age 72. John Proctor, age 61. Alice Parker, age unknown. Mary Parker, about 40. And I'm going to butcher this, but Pudiator, 70s. Wilmot Red, age unknown. No, 49. Martha Corey, 72. Mary Esty, 58. Uh, she refused to enter a plea and was tortured to death. But here, Giles Corey, he was the husband of Martha Corey. He was the only person that wasn't hung, um, and we'll get into him in a little bit. But the people that started 
the um, the Salem witch trials. Um, this started by some girls. I mean, and when I say girls in today's society, they weren't girls. Um, they're still considered children, but they were 18, most of them. Um, but they were considered afflicted. Elizabeth Booth, Sarah Churchill, Elizabeth Hubbard, Marcy, Mercy Lewis, Elizabeth Paris, Ann Putnam Jr., Suzanne Sheldon, Mary Warren, Mary Walcott, and Abigail Williams. Now the two that started it, Elizabeth Paris and Abigail Williams, they were nieces of Samuel Paris. They were the minister of the area. Um, they were the original two that started this. And they think in today, by today's standards, there was a combination of stress, asthma, it was guilt by, hey, we already started this stuff. Gotta keep, we gotta keep going. Can't say that we lied, you know, hey. Um, and plus, some of it was financial. If you said, hey, this, this neighbor's a witch and they were convicted, you got their property. You know, that was a thing. Um, child abuse. These kids were beaten and, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. Um, epilepsy, delusional psychosis. Uh, another theory was presented in 1976 article that argued that a disease called convulsive egotism might be to blame. The disease is brought on by ingesting rye grain infected with ergot, a fungus that can invade developing kernels of rye, rye grain, especially under warm, damp conditions. In 1691, during the rye harvest in Salem, these conditions existed. The main, and the main staple of the Puritans' diet was cereal and breads made of harvest rye. Convulsions that the ergotism, again, probably butchering that, caused violent fits, a crawling sensation on the skin, vomiting, choking, hallucinations. In fact, the hallucinogenic drug LSD, <laughs> I was going to say, because think about it, um, is a derivative of the ergot. Many of the symptoms of convulsive ergotism seem to match those attributed to Elizabeth, Holy Crow, Elizabeth Paris, and Abigail Williams. So these girls, if they're eating this food, and all of a sudden they start exhibiting these symptoms and in that day and age you have to have a reason for the fact of what you're doing and if you can't find the reason it's the devil the devil made me do it and I can't find any other reason why the devil would be afflicting me so I'm going to beat the crap out of you so, not only that, there are 
there is another person that was involved, one of the women, who was also um, charged as being a witch. Pibita, uh, she was a servant. And she was a servant who worked for Samuel Paris, who, if you remember, when I first named off the names um, of Samuel Paris, he was the uh, uncle to Elizabeth Paris and Abigail Williams. She <clears throat> worked for him and um, the various, they had various documents that they had in the books over the years uh, that referred to her and she was also married to a man named John um, that and I even remember this growing up. They described her as being black, but in this case that I, in the research that I had, she they, she was described as being Indian. Um, she they, they described her as being Indian, an Indian woman servant. Um, so that changes completely about who she was and what she did, um, but. They said not much was known about her, her early life, except that she was born in an Arawak village in South America where she was captured uh, during her childhood. We were talking about Tibtuba, the slave of Salem. Uh, she was... Uh, captured during her childhood and taken to Barbados as a slave because the kids, the little girls who first started the um, issues in Salem, issues, oh, those were big issues, um, uh, they said that Tibtuba uh, was practicing witchcraft, which she was just showing them um, how to uh, predict the future or, or tell uh, fortune telling. Um, uh, when she was in Barbados, that's when she would have learned that. Um, uh, Paris, uh, or an associate of his, uh, purchased, would have purchased her in Barbados uh, at, at when she was a teenager. Um, and brought her to Boston in um, 1689. Um, and then in uh, November of 1689, uh, Samuel Paris moved Tibduba and his family to Salem after he was appointed to the minister of Salem Village. Um, over a decade later, Tibdaba was one of the first women to be accused of witchcraft during the uh, hysteria of 1692. So, but even though she was one of the first women, she wasn't considered one of the first people because she was of Indian heritage. So because it's, if you look at the records, one of the first women to be considered uh, uh, of witchcraft or because of the year was uh, Bridget Bishop. 
so, you know, just because of who she was, she wasn't considered important enough. And, and I'll explain why, you know, and it's, and it's super sad because of, you know, race at the time. It, 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 just, it, it just was so sad. Um, uh, the, some sources suggest that Tibidaba was named a witch because she practiced voodoo um, and taught Salem village girls fortune telling, like I said earlier. So, you know, um, you know, was it voodoo or was it hoodoo? you know, because of being in bar, bar, Barbados, um, you know, so, I mean, it's just one of those things of, you know, hey, you know, you know, being connected to these kids because she spent so much time with them and, you know, trying to teach them a little bit of her culture and then they turn on her like that because I have got to tell something about someone because if not, I'm going to get the shit kicked out of me. And it's like, because of how it was back then, there, there was nobody to save them. So it's just so, so, so sad. And it's, and it's, and understanding the time period and understanding the culture and understanding anything of what was going on at that time period. Um, and, you know, people who were Christians, you know, they were afraid of going to hell, um, you know, for, you know, confessing to being a witch and, you know, signing the book of the devil, you know, but nobody knew, you know, what religion Tibdaba was. She could have said, yeah, sure, I was a Christian or not. You know, she was born in another country that, in a village who maybe there was a priest there, maybe not. You know, but she grew up in Barbados, you know. Um, but if she wasn't a Christian, she wouldn't have known the idea of, you know, going to heaven to hell. So if she confessed to being a witch, she, okay, all right. I mean, think of being a witch doctor. To her, it might have meant all right, I'm a witch. Uh, okay. Yeah, guilty. I, you figured me out. You know, I mean, it, it, maybe in her culture it was okay to be a witch. Um, but, I mean, if you think of what goes on down there today in some of the islands and stuff like that, it's, it's not okay to be a witch. They burn them. You know, so, but then again, Christianity is bigger. So, um, so it's a little bit confusing. So, I, I, you know, I can't see, I can't see her confessing to being a witch. I, I, I just can't. And, and just being, um, uh, you know, okay with it. I just think she saw the lay of the land and, and was like, you know what, 
if I confess to being a witch, this stuff is done and over with. I don't leave me be. I can move on with my life. But it, it's also not the case for her. Um, she, her case never went to trial. Um, but she was spared the gallows. Um, according to the book Tibtudaba, uh, The Reluctant Witch of Salem, she remained in jail as the witch trials continued, but she retracted her confession. And you don't learn about that in school. You don't hear about that at all. So, I mean, again, it's one of those things of, hello? Now, in the book, and I'm gonna read this excerpt, at the end, Tibduba recanted her confession, admitting that she had lied to protect herself. That action had little effect on the subsequent rush by the other confessors. In fear of damnation to admit their terrible sin, Tibduba's attention to retract her confession received scant attention at the time and was ignored in the written reports of most observers. Only Robert Caleb made note of it. The account she, Tibdaba, since gives of it is that her master did beat her and other ways abuse her, make her confess and accuse such as he called her sister witches and that whatsoever she said by way of confession or accusing others was the effect of such usage. Hers was not the first retraction of a reluctant confession. The others had already received a great deal of attention. And on May 9th, 19, er, in 1692, a grand jury in Ipswich declined to indict Tibduba, writing ignoramus on her paperwork, indicating she was found not guilty due to a lack of evidence. And that was in the book, Tibdaba, The Reluctant Witch of Salem. So she's found not guilty. They call her an ignoramus and only one person one person out of all of those people that were involved in that made a note. One person just happens to make a note of the fact that, hey, she did recant her statement. So going back to the fact that they said that she might not understand the fact of what going to hell means scratch that she does so you can't you can't under you can't use that fact she did so let's take that off the table um, she was being beaten and otherwise abused by her master so, Samuel Paris himself was using her confessions 
to otherwise <clears throat> go after certain people for these confessions. So was he trying to do it to make himself look better? Was he doing it to try and and absorb their their monetary absorb the monetary gains? Because I mean, two of the afflicted, quote unquote, were his own nieces. I mean, was he doing it because of the fact that two of the afflicted were his nieces and he had to do whatever it took to make himself look good in the in that kind of light because he was trying to deflect any other actions off of them. You know, I don't need anybody looking in my way, so we're going to do whatever it takes to just don't look my way. You know, um, you know, so I'm going to beat this person as hard as I can and make her confess to whatever it takes to make her confess. And guess what? She's a slave, so who gives a shit? A slavery in itself means I own you body and soul, as sucky as that sounds. And I'm going to get to that in a minute about Tibdiba and her husband John. Tibdiba remained in jail in Boston because Paris refused to pay her jail fees. And that's right. I mean, if you were in jail at the time, you had to pay for the privilege to be in jail. Um, for reasons unknown, which I'm pretty sure we can take a pretty damn good guess of the reasons why he didn't pay for her fees. It's possible he wanted to be rid of her because he, she served an un, she reserved a, re, yep, I can speak today, I can speak English too. She served as a reminder of the witch trials or because he was angry at her for recanting her confession. I think it was a little bit of both. And the fact that, you know, I'm just pissed off at you and I'm done with you. I can do whatever I want with you. In April of 1693, Tidubo was sold to an unknown person for the price of her jail fees. It's also assumed her husband John was sold along with her. It's not known what happened to Tibdaba or John after this date. The site of the Salem witch personage where Tibdaba lived at the time of the Salem witch trials was excavated in 1970 and is open to visitors. And if you go there, it's Rear 67 Center Street, Danvers. Massachusetts. So, I mean, you have to go back like a little uh, rear area, but yeah, it's there. Um, but, I mean, I mean, you go back to, you know, what caused the trials? I mean, your body and stuff like that. You want to talk about being in, in, in having your body be invaded by somebody that would be invaded. You know, it's just, ah, 
you know, uh, and this is in a time period where people dressed from head to toe and kept yourself covered. You know, if you showed your ankle, that's too much. You know, and these are people that would strip you down and just look at you as close as they, they could and your most personal parts. And it's like, yeah. how do you go back from that? You know, and you're being accused of a witch and somebody could be looking at your back and they're like, oh my God, a witch's mark. How do you see that? You know, mirrors were not a big thing back then. So, you know, where do you, where do you look? Um, and like I said, the, the first woman, white woman, I should say, was um, Bridget Bishop. Um, she, she was born in 1632 and died the 10th of June in 1692. Um, <coughs> the youngest person to be um, kept in the jails, uh, her name was Dorothy. Um, she was, her name was written as Dorcas. Um, that was her name written on the arrest warrant. Uh, received a brief hearing in, in which the uh, accusers repeatedly complained of bites on their arms. And she went to jail um, at the age of five. And could you imagine being a five-year-old and being thrown in jail because somebody had bites on their arm and they said that it was you? Think of, think of if you have nieces or nephews or you have children of your own and they're around that four or five even six years old, um, and somebody went up to them and said that they bit them all over, and their, the confusion on their face, you know, and this was in a time frame where, you know, there's no, there's no gaming systems, there's, you know, no other way to get a hold of, you know, grandma, grandpa if they're not living in the same town or anything like that, and you gotta walk everywhere. Um, you know, the confusion on the, that child's face. She, you know, she would have been absolutely petrified. But, and these, and like I said, these trials went on for seven months. And they just kept accusing pe person after person after person after person. And some of the people that were accused, you know, the, the people that we, that I read at the beginning, like John Willard, he was a, like I said, a deputy constable and but he was also, he was one of the people that had to go and serve these warrants on people. And 
imagine having to serve these warrants and not believing in what you're doing. So he spoke up about it. And, um, but he, when he doubted what was going on, um, especially as so many accused him of beating her baby sister to death, was accused a second time by his wife's grandfather, Bray Wilkins, after Wilkins fell ill upon receiving a cross look from Willard in May of 1692. And then just a few days later, Bray's grandson, Daniel Wilkins, was found dead and his body found bloody and beaten according to account, uh, according to court records. Now, falling ill after a cross look, you know, I don't, I don't believe. But Ann Putnam's baby sister being beaten to death and um, you know the grandson being found bloody and beaten. Um, they uh, and they issued an arrest warrant for him, um, but he had already fled Salem Village. Um, and then a second warrant was issued for him, um, and he was hunted down and arrested in um, Nashaw. Um, uh, New Hampshire and then during the examination at uh, Beatles Tavern in Salem Town the incident with both Bray and Daniel Wilkins was brought up and the Wilkins family um, also accused Willard of beating his wife so he was being accused of not only being a witch but a complete asshole and an abused an, an abuser so was he being accused of a as a as a witch to get him out of his family's life was it the easy way out because there was no divorce it, it was you know all in or nothing so um she, uh, I mean, who, who thought about it? Was it the, the wife's family? Um, and then um, Ann Putnam Jr. testified along with several accused witches, or confessed witches, and she said she saw many ghosts of people Willard allegedly killed and Willard was brought to trial on August 5th and then was executed on August 19th. And then George Jacobs Sr. He was accused of witchcraft by several people during the Salem witch trials, including his granddaughter, Margaret Jacobs. He was a reluctant uh, churchgoer and was outspoken critic of the Salem witch trials. Okay, which you're going to find this, that that is a common theme. Anybody who spoke out about the witch trials, they were accused of being a witch. Um, so, it, I mean, it was, you get, kept your head down, kept your mouth closed, and you went to church. Um, so, 
he was first accused by his servant Sarah Churchill. She was she was another afflicted. Um, he um, was also um, his son George Jr. was accused as well, but he evaded arrest. Um, so it was kind of like. Um, standing away and this is not the George you're looking for um, or yeah this isn't the George you're looking for kind of deal um, and many of the people testified against George senior and most of the Putman family so that tells me that you know hey maybe we're trying to you know absorb what your um, your your funds here uh, he was found guilty on August 5th and executed on August 19th, 1692. But the Jacobs family reportedly retrieved his body from the execution site and buried him on the family property. So that tells me that his family was feeling a bit guilty, you know. Again, it's one of those things of were they trying to collect an inheritance? I, I mean, come on. It screams that. Hello? Um, you know, the son is being accused of witchcraft, but he somehow evades it. Um, an entire Putnam family is, you know, you know, um, they're on the stand and they're um, testifying against this guy, and still somehow the son doesn't get brought up. How that happens, the granddaughter is accusing this guy. You know, what the hell did he ever do to her? You know, um, and the, the servant, who by the way, this servant girl, she actually was brought down in stature. She was actually from a very wealthy family. So, and she, the guy she married died, left her penniless. So she ended up becoming a servant in a well-to-do farmer's household. So that tells me that maybe she was offered some money. Hello? Well, you know, uh, you know, Sarah Churchill was you know, at one point she came from a very well-to-do family and, you know, the guy she married left her penniless. So, I mean, how does that, how does that not, you know, tell me that maybe that's part of, you know, helping the family out? If I help this family out, are they going to give me some money? Um, and Putnam's were really big into testifying against the witches. And it's like, how do you know about Um, and then there's John Proctor. I mean, he lived on the outskirts of Salem Village, and he was he was a huge outspoken critic of the the witch trials, and he often threatened to beat the uh, beat or whip the afflicted girls for their role in the witch trials. And again, do you see a trend going on here? I mean, he's outspoken against the witch trials, and now this guy's threatening to to beat or whip these girls because. You know, hey, they don't like a certain person. We're just going to accuse them as a witch. 
you know. So he's outspoken against the witch trials. You're next. Um, and then um, Mary Porter, she was a, uh, a widow from Andover. Uh, she was first named as a witch by William Barker Jr. and was accused of afflicting Martha Sprague and was brought to trial on September 17th and accused or executed on September 22nd, 1692. Um, this lady, I keep butchering her name, so I apologize. Anne Pudiator. She was a widow who lived in Salem Town where she worked as a nurse and a midwife. Now, I don't know about you, but the last person that I'm going to accuse as a witch and make sure that she hangs is the midwife or a nurse or a doctor because they're the ones that help you through childbirth and childbirth is one of the most dangerous things at this point in time for women. I'm not sure what these girls were thinking well, I mean, I know they weren't, they weren't thinking, but what the fuck? Anyways, this lady had a reputation for um, being sharp-tongued. Mainly, I mean, she just probably pulled no punches with anybody, and um, she often quarreled with the locals and was accused of witchcraft in May of 1692 by Sarah Churchill. And again, this lady, when she pops up, it just tells me that she just thought she was better than everybody. And if she had a grudge against you, fuck it, I am going to accuse you of witchcraft. And uh, several other afflicted girls of Salem Village was brought to trial September, 19th, uh, September 9th and was executed on September 22nd, 1692. Um, I am just amazed that this village allowed these girls to run this circle and scam. Um, the wife, uh, uh, William Red, or I'm sorry, Wilmot Red. Um, she was the wife of a fisherman and like Bridget Bishop and many other witch trial victims had also been accused in 1687. So, I mean, obviously not the first time and that should have been a clue. If they were accused once and they were found not guilty, why would you accuse them again? Um, she was unpopular because she often quarreled with others and had an abrasive personality. She was brought to trial in September and executed on September 22nd. Again, at first you don't succeed, try again. I, I don't know. Um, if that's her thought. Um, it was just one of those things, I guess. Um, then there's Margaret Scott. 
She was a widow from uh, Raleigh, and she had had several children, but only three survived from childhood. Um, Scott was left destitute and forced to beg from her neighbors, and this made her unpopular. So, thinking, putting this in today's perspective, this would not happen, obviously, um, but if she was left begging from neighbors, that means that she did not take care of anything. She did not do any small veg vegetable gardens. She did not do anything whatsoever. And she was left to beg for everything. And that would have made her extremely unpopular. So, um, I don't even know how to even explain that one. People would have just been pissed, period. I'm surprised they didn't try to take her out before that, to be honest with you. Um, Giles Corey, he himself is a a special person to talk about because he refused, flat out refused to enter a plea and he was tortured to death. But before he died, he placed a curse on Salem. Um, and that curse still holds to today. Um, and it has to do with the sheriffs of Salem. And um, that is just an amazing way to segue into the hauntings of Salem. When you get um, so many pieces of stone Um, uh, it starts to push down on your chest and um, it's, it's called the crucible um, when you get such a heavy weight on your chest and it, the breath is pushed out of you you cannot take a breath and I know what it's like not to be able to breathe I have severe asthma I mean and when I mean severe I, I mean severe I mean to the point where I spend a lot of time in the hospital and I have to have oxygen thus uh, beyond long round steroids and um, I actually have to be helped walked around and um, this last time I was actually in rehabilitation for uh, two weeks. Um, I cannot imagine dying that way, even though 
I know that's how I'm gonna die is not breathing. So, but being crushed is to me the most horrible way to go. Um, and um, for them to do that to him all because he wouldn't say I am a witch and there were other men that were you know that were accused but they would but it was because he refused to say yes or no well yay or nay um, and but it was also because of his wife his wife was accused and um, and um, but it was it was important he proved that his land is important and he was willing to die to keep his land out of the out of the hands of a man like Putnam um, this is what it's quoting um, uh, if that's what that was the quote online um, so again it's it was important that his lands were not taken away from him or even in death so um, and to prove that his wife was innocent so to have something like that happen um, his last words to them were more weight he wasn't going to give in to them um, you know it, it was just it was just his his way of rebellion I mean you know and it was a big fuck you to them I know I'm not guilty I know my wife's not guilty you're not going to take my lands you're not going to take anything from me in life or in death we didn't do anything this is a big sham all it is is a, just a way for you to compensate our wealth and our lands that's it that's all it is you know um, so but again it's one of those things of it's one of those things that you can just sit there and just just use your imagination of what it's like to have stone after stone after stone and, and these weren't small stones these were big stones and have them being placed on your chest and have it have that try to imagine that crushing weight coming down on you 
but still have that resolve to say more weight. I don't know if I could. I have to have, you, anybody would have to have respect for that man. Seriously. Seriously, serious respect for someone that could go through that. Because, like I said, I know what it's like not to be able to breathe, to not be able to get your chest to expand and to know, and he knew he was dying. And I have panic attacks when it happens. And I know the techniques to use, but yet I will cry. And this man asked for more weight. But, mm, after this, um, how the trials ended was as it was going into 1693, um, the hysteria was losing steam and the governor of the colony, upon hearing that his own wife was accused of witchcraft, ordered an end to the trials. Now. I'm sorry, they should have been ordered stopped a long time ago. Not just because your own wife was being accused, but after all those people were being murdered and people were going around from town to town and accusing falsely accusing people it wasn't just Salem there were there were other towns that were going through this but Salem Salem had had some serious issues going on and um, but by this time 20 people and two dogs were executed for the crime of witchcraft in Salem who the fuck hangs two dogs I Dogs. Dogs. They hung two dogs or executed them for witchcraft. I, keep that in the back of your mind. This got so far that they executed two dogs for witchcraft. Now, the after all of this and all of these years later Salem obviously is haunted from all of this and one of the um, places that's haunted is the Hawthorne Hotel and the hotel was built on land owned by uh, Bridget Bishop and um, and you've heard that name, she was one of the first accused. And um, there's reports of sweet smell of apples that drift through the hotel. That comes from nowhere. And Bridget grew apples when she was alive. 
and there's weird there's other weird smells smelled by guests and staff unexplained noises um, that are often heard and weird uh, mists appear out of nowhere um, now if you go and where I got this information was was from uh, the ha uh, a haunted um, Salem site um, in room 325 people report being touched by no one um, they're alone, hearing cries of a baby, um, also have witnessed uh, the taps turning on by themselves. In room 612, a ghost of a lady is seen in the suite looking at you, and she also likes to hover around outside by the door, as well as uh, wandering the corridor. I don't care if she hovers in the corridor, just don't hover in the room. I, um, at Gallows Hill, where the 19 of the accused witches came to their death through hanging, um, all 19 were later found innocent of any witchcraft. You know, how do you apologize for any of that bullshit? I'll never know. Um, a little bit late for that after you've already hung them. Um, Many people have caught light orbs on their cameras and video recordings, creeping mists appear from, <clears throat> from and then just vanish like puffs of smoke. There's unexplained noises, and some claim that they've seen a ghostly figure wandering aimlessly over the fields. And then there's Salem Jail. It was built back in 1813. Um, it was built next door to the Howard Street Cemetery. Uh, the very place where Giles Corey was stoned to death. Um, it housed Houdini, who escaped, and then the notorious Boston Strangler. Um, at one point, the conditions were so disgusting that the inmates were able to sue the county for poor living condition and were ordered to close. Now, I can't even imagine conditions that bad that the inmates sued the county. Uh, I don't even want to know. I, I really just don't. Um, uh, the haunted building was transformed into luxury apartments for residents of Salem. How much money do you have to throw into something that goes from such poor living conditions to luxury apartments. I mean, seriously. There better be more than just spackle on those damn walls. That's all I gotta say. I, and, ew. Ew, ew, ew. Um, many of the inmates died behind the bars in Salem in the Salem jail and these lost souls never moved on. Now, you know what? I've had my own little experience with ghosts and I'm okay with that. Personally, I wanna know up front if I'm going into something haunted. And I went to the um, place out in Ohio where they filmed, um, oh gosh, the movie for, um, 
Oh, I'll think of it here. Um, I'll think of it. Anyways, I didn't realize that when I went through, we went into the jail cells and stuff like that. Uh, we did the, we, we did a tour and we came to the jail cells. And uh, my partner walked in, who's like 6'4", 200 and some odd pounds, and he was like, go in, walk in one. Walked in one, turned right around, walked out. The most horrible feeling ever. Like, it was like, all of a sudden, this pressure that was like on my shoulders, and it was like this feeling of, get the fuck out of my area, I don't want you here just go I just don't want you here and um Andy Dufresne I'll think of it but had the character Andy Dufresne um anyways I walked back out and he was like why it didn't stink in there because I have a thing for smells I was like that wasn't it and I just kept on walking I get to the end of the tour and I and he said what's the matter and I said something's off I feel like something's off and he was like oh you'll be fine I was like well I'm I know I'm fine I said just something was off down in the jail cells we get to the end where there's the gift shop and um, I look up and there's a thing about it being haunted. And I was like, Mother Tucker knew something was wrong back there, but okay, didn't see anything. It's just how I felt. So the last thing, I, last my point to this whole story is, and yes, I go like five different ways to get to the end of a story. So apologies, I will get better. The last thing I would be, or the last place I would be, would, I would not buy a luxury apartment in a jail, or what used to be a jail, where people have died. Those people were not nice. I would not want to live there, period. I'm okay if a place is haunted, but not a jail. Nine times out of 10, those people did something wrong. That's why they were there for a long time. That's why they died there. Unless they're, you know, something killed them. I, that's the only thing I can tell you. It's reported that you can hear screams of the inmates oozing through the walls as you walk through the building. I do not want people oozing through the walls of a luxury apartment. I would not fucking pay for that. I would pay to walk through that during Halloween, but not pay for it to live in it. I have enough mental issues. Don't need that one. Ugh. On to the Howard Street Cemetery. According to old folk tales, 
Giles Corey laid a curse on the sheriffs of Salem. Now this is what I was talking about when I had said that at the end that Giles Corey leads into a segue for the haunted, haunted Salem. Now it said that as he was being crushed to death and it appears that his curse has worked and this has been said on other segments of you know haunted history um, other places and stuff like that and I think it was even done on uh, Salem Live or whatever and that was just recently. Um, many of the town's uh, sheriffs over the years have reported to being woken in the middle of the night with a heavy sensation upon their chest as if being crushed. Um, others have removed themselves from the office after having heart palpitations and some have even died after suffering major heart attacks when they're otherwise fit and healthy. The cemetery itself, described to feel sad and somber with an air of creepiness around you. Now back to the sheriff thing, they've actually removed the position of sheriff. They have deputy sheriffs, but they don't have the position of sheriff. They don't keep, they don't have it anymore. That's, that's what I, I had um, heard on the last uh, segment that I watched about Salem. They just don't have it. They actually had um, several sheriffs that had passed away in um, while in office, and people were just like, "No, fuck that shit. I, I, mm, mm, I'll, 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 I'll do the duties, but don't give me the title." Um, mm. Now, the Joshua Ward House it sits in the exact spot where murderous and most feared sheriff of the witch trials once lived. Sheriff George Corwin, by his own hand, tortured and killed many of the accused and had a sadistic way to get them to plead guilty of witchcraft. Now this, this guy here, he was pretty messed up. Um, <clears throat> he would tie the ankles and continue all the way up to the neck so tight that blood would gush from the victim's noses. And after his death of a heart attack, and I think this is supposed to be um, 1697, um, but on the on the site it said 1797, because if that was the case, this guy lived to be like 130 something. Um, <clears throat> his family feared for his body that they buried him deep in the family basement so that angry public of Salem couldn't get their hands on him. Eventually, after many years, his body was dug up and moved to a nearby cemetery on Broad Street. So, I mean, what happened there was pretty messed up. I mean, these people that died, they didn't have to. And a lot of them were in their upper ages. And I mean, I'm pretty impressed on how old they were. I mean, it was almost like they were skimming off the elderly. I mean, seriously, 71, 58, 72, 77. I mean, it was, it, these folks were up there in age. I mean, 
I mean, there were there was a few of them that were in their 30s and 40s, but most of them were up there in age. How this started and how it ended were just ridiculous. Can something like this happen again? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, do we have the technology to um, hope to, to see through it again? <clears throat> you know, if there's, you know, some kind of like LSD breakout or something like that from, um, you know, bad harvested bread, um, yeah. But the hysteria that goes along with it is what drives things like this, you know, like what happened with the um, with the 2016 um, uh, presidential um, election, you know, and what went with it and um, people who got upset with who was elected. It's not my president. And it has just been, uh, you know, downhill from there. I don't like to talk politics. I don't care. I, I will not go into that on here. Um, I do have, um, do have a Facebook account where you can leave comments and stuff like that. There is, there is a web page. Um, but, you know, however, this is just a comment about what happened. It's not about, this is who I think should have won. This is not about, it is who won. With that being said, um, it is what it's going to be. Um, I don't mind debating people, but I'm not going to do the whole, well, you fucking suck kind of thing. It, everybody's entitled to their opinion. If you want to listen to me, great. If you don't, if you do, wonderful. Um, I look forward to having people, um, you know, leave comments. I know that um, this is a work in progress. Um, uh, this is opening myself up to a lot of criticism. This is opening myself up to um, uh, a lot. Um, and I know this, is a, this was a long podcast uh, to begin with and, and it could be a lot shorter once I um, edit things. Hopefully my, next time my daughter will be joining me. My daughter, um, Jacqueline, she, um, she is going to be joining me on this podcast. Um, this will not be a podcast for children. Um, although there, because there will be subjects on here <clears throat> that are about murder. Um, I will be posting pictures about the Salem witch trial. Um, this, however, was more historical. This is, you know, more about um, the victims and the people who did it. 
I did not get into the, um, the people who were the judges, uh, that I understand. I know there was a lot that I did not cover and that we can go over in the, um, in the comments. Um, because as you can, as you see there, uh, this was a long podcast already. Um, I just wanted to get my feet wet and see how this went. Um, and hopefully edit all the ums out. Uh, <sighs> I look forward to doing more podcasts. Uh, there will be some differences on the ends of the podcast with the music. The next podcast will be about uh, murder. And what it, what it will be is when we are doing a murder, I will be adding a murder board. And that murder board will hopefully help people understand what happened during that case, uh, maybe add something that maybe somebody knows about, and go from there. I am certainly learning as I go, and this will be a definite um, work in progress. I am not uh, completely set up to do a um, full, you know, full blown podcast, you know, like uh, the professionals and stuff like that. I am, like I said, I am just learning. Um, the, um, the next one will be, um, and I'm hoping I'm saying this little girl's name right, will be Amy Mihaila Javit. Um, I read her case. This happened um, back in, um, 2010, no, 1989, I'm sorry. There was a lot of, um, a lot of information on here. And, um, but October 27th, 1989, she was kidnapped. So I was in seventh grade back then. Um, but uh, I will do a murder board. I will be posting pictures also about that. And, um, but that will be um, the 16th um, and hopefully have everything up and ready to go. But please, please bear with me and um, hopefully we have a long, long journey together. Thanks. Bye.